Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. It's good to be with you, uh, Vine Community Church, and uh, welcome you all here who are in present in person. And I know a lot of you I know, including the Barton family, you're sick at home. We love you. We're praying for you. And uh, the Lord be with you. And so we are in a series uh, called One Big Story of God's Grace, because the whole of the Bible, this is the good news, is an unfolding of God's grace from beginning to end that all points and consummates in Jesus. And really next week and the next several weeks, we're going to look at how glorious what's called the new covenant really is. And it's spectacular. And so we're continuing our journey today in the book of Jeremiah. And we're in Jeremiah chapter 31. And you know what? Jeremiah, you know, he was an Old Testament prophet. Did you know that? And (laughs) yes, he does. Brian knows that. That's good, man. And, you know, a prophet in the Old Testament had to constantly be the bearer of bad news. Do you have any people in your life like that? Throughout Jeremiah, we just see the first 25 chapters especially. I mean, one bad thing after another, it looks like doomsday, destruction, things are bad. Israel is feeling really, really struggling because a prophet's job was was to just declare what God told him. And nothing more, nothing less. And so for the first 25 chapters or so, he's declaring really, really hard stuff. And so uh, I can't imagine what it would be to be a prophet and have that job. Would any of you want that job? You know, imagine me if I was an Old Testament prophet and I would have to say to you, hey, you're going to be, there's going to be a conquering nation coming to America You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose all your wealth. Your IRA accounts, all your assets dissolved. You're going to have nada financially. And some of your family members may be beaten or taken away from you. And then you get to be... And then you get to be taken to a country that you actually hate and a culture that you're appalled by. Man, wouldn't you love to have that job? A prophet's job was was really, really, really hard. And yet, Jeremiah, I mean, I'm so thankful for this man. What a man of courage that he so faithfully proclaimed whatever God gave him. He spoke, and when he spoke as a prophet, he spoke the very word of God. So this passage today, and here's a little bright moment. Woo-hoo! He brings good news. (laughs) Really, for one of the first times, we see this, the good news of this message. And here's the good news that we're going to see today is that God is still a gracious God. Amen? Man, we need a gracious God. And we have seen throughout Jeremiah where it's just been hard because for 70 years, southern Israel called Judah was taken captive and in Babylon. And now Jeremiah is actually there in Babylon and still bad things are happening. Nothing's restored yet. 
And, and so that's the context. And people are struggling with this. And why, God, would you allow this? And why don't you restore us now? And we're praying to you and you're not hearing us. And all, that th- all those things. But we see, we'll see today in today's passage a good thing. Jeremiah wakes up from this dream. And he has this sweet, pleasant dream. Uh, you know, um, that's one of the ways that God spoke to prophets in the Old Testament was through dreams. And Jeremiah, we'll see, woke up in verse 26 and received a message of hope that after 70 years of exile, that the people of God would be restored to their land. And what a great message it was. And wow, I'm sure Jeremiah was excited to hear that. And imagine when the people heard that. This guy's been railing on, on just all the hard things and the destruction. And, you know, we do, yes, we have national sin and it's been hard and we're in exile and things look bad. But finally, good news, we're going to be restored. And God is for you. He is still a gracious God. In that dream, he talks about the restoration of the lands, which was, in the land, it was, a, it was an agrarian economy, meaning they were farmers mostly. And he says in verse 27, children and animals are going to be lots of them multiplied, and it's going to be amazing. So as we think about this grace of Israel being restored in the land, just a couple things. Remember, there's a thing called the already but not yet, that that's all true for Israel, and that did happen in history. They were restored after 70 years. But all of this points forward to a greater restoration, even better than land. It's when Jesus came. And when Jesus comes, he completely restores his people in our hearts, in relationship with him. And not only that, we who are restored to Jesus look forward to the ultimate restoration where we get to go to heaven, the land of promise. All things will be made new. Everything's going to be restored. Isn't, can't you? I can't wait. Yeah. And I hope you can't wait more and more as we long, long for that day when Jesus will be face to face with him and he will take his almighty hand and wipe every tear. Wipe every tear away from us. What a gracious God. God is still a gracious God. So let's look at our passage today and remember this context as we come to God's wonderful word. And I remind you, this is his holy, sovereign word. Thanks be to our God and King. Jeremiah 31, verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Once more, they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in in its cities. When I restore their fortunes, the Lord bless you, O habitation of righteousness, O holy hill. And Judah and all its cities shall dwell there together, and the farmers and those who wander with their flocks. For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. At this I awoke, and I looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. Hmm. 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy and bring harm, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, they shall no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. This is God's word. We're grateful to him for his holy word. Well, let's look at this passage because there's a lot of interesting language and allusions here in this uh, interesting uh, passage of scripture here in Jeremiah 31. Look at with me at verse 23. There it says, thus says the Lord of hosts. This is God's sovereign word. You know, today we could say, you know, you've had a, I've had a people say to me, thus says the Lord. And if it's not out of God's word, I'm not really listening too much. But if it's from God's word, if it's directly from God's word, we can rely on it. It's trustworthy. And remember that Jeremiah was given the very word of God. We don't receive the very word of God a day. We have the word of God. And so we have to remind that, be reminded that when we read this today, we as the church need to be very careful to open our ears and listen to what God has to say to us. The God of Israel, once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its city when I restore their fortunes. Remember that uh, it was, the land was valuable to them. I mean, land out here in this area is getting more and more valuable. But their land was priceless to them. It was the land of Israel. It was the land of their fathers and their fathers' fathers. It was not about how much they could sell and make on it. It was they loved it with all their hearts. And it was the place really where they found relationship ultimately with God. It was really, they felt like, the source of their hope and joy in many, many ways. And he goes on to say, the Lord bless you. Man, it's so good if the Lord blesses you, right? You don't want the opposite, right, in your life? The Lord bless you, O habitation of righteousness, O holy hill. What does that mean? Well, here he's talking about throughout history, if you look at the Old Testament, the holy hill was really talking about Jerusalem, the city of God where the temple was. And remember where the temple was, was where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence was. Presence was, and, and so it was called a holy hill, not because it was just religious, it was because God was there. The Holy Lord dwelt in the temple there in Jerusalem. And so to the Israelites, it was Jerusalem and the temple place is the place of holiness, the holy habitation, the habitation of righteousness. And we know, you know centuries later, Jesus came and he lived a perfect sinless life. And he died and he gave, gives us his spirit. He says he makes us righteous, which is crazy. 
even though we still struggle with sin. He sees us as righteous. Wow. Verse 24, in Judah and all its cities shall dwell there together. What it's saying is, is that was, you know, not only with the feasts and festivals, they would go to Jerusalem, make their, what was called their aliyah, which was their ascent up to, heaven, uh, up to Jerusalem, the holy hill of the Lord. And there they would worship together. And the farmers and those who wander with their flocks, everyone, even those who are scattered, looks to that place where God was and dwelt. Verse 25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. You know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tim preached on this passage and did a great job with, with this. And we could just pause here for the rest of the day, really, because I don't know about you, but life can get exhausting, right? It can get really, really hard. And we need, we need God's restoration and his replenishment. What he's saying is to Israel, I am going to restore and replenish, renew them emotionally, internally, not just their land, but their hearts as they trust me. And we know again that Jesus fulfilled all of this when he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, remember what he said? Come to me, come to me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, and I will give you rest for your souls. We all long for that, don't you? Don't you want to have rest for your souls? We're here to get replenished. God wants to do that today for all of us who say, we just want to simply trust you, Lord, and your beautiful work in and through us. And he goes on here in verse 26 saying, at this I awoke and looked and my sleep was pleasant to me. Here he wakes up from his dream And he says, wow, your grace, Lord, you are still a gracious God. Thank you for renewing my faith and the faith of Israel. That we would believe you, Lord, and trust you and your graciousness towards us. Verse 27, Jeremiah, see, he pictures a future in which both Judah and Israel will be repopulated uh, with humans and, and livestock, animals. And that would amazingly impact their economy. And what he's saying here is interesting because it's not just southern Judah now who was in Babylon. It was also the north, northern Israel. For over 150 years, they had been in exile. And everyone said about Israel, man, they are pretty much damned by God. Their God is not helping them. But here the Lord is giving hope to not just the south, but to the north. And he's saying to all God's people, listen, (laughs) these beautiful, sweet words in his prophetic way. He was saying this, the Lord has not forgotten you. 
And you know, I know in a room this size, there's so many here that need to know that word. You need to have that fresh word given to you by the Lord himself. I have not forgotten you. I know your pain. I know your suffering. I know what you're going through. I know it hurts. I love you. I'm there. I'm gracious. Trust me. It's in those hard moments, those difficult moments, we especially need to know God's amazing grace. Verse 28, he goes on and says, And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them, Notice what he says after that. I've watched over him, them through all their good times and their joy and their money and their flourishing and their abundance and their kids are loving them and everyone in family are doing well together. There's no sickness. There's no death. No, he says this. Look what he says. I have watched over them, verse 28, to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, to, to destroy and bring harm. He's saying here, I, the Lord, watch over you when you face your hardest of times. And that is an amazing God. Amazing God of amazing grace. You see, yes, he watches over you in your good times. That's the second half of 28. He says, when you build into plant, declares the Lord. But I also watch over you when you feel like I'm nowhere to be found and your prayers are dry and your life is hard and you feel distance from God and maybe even his people. The Lord says, I have not forgotten you. I watch over you. I watch over you. That reminds me of Psalm 121. I love this psalm. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's not a moment, there's not a second, there's not a nanosecond in your life if you're his that he is not watching over you. He cares. He's there. He's pursuing your very heart. The Lord is saying, even in the hardest of moments, will you trust me? Will you trust me? You see, this is the message of not just Jeremiah, but all the prophets and all the Old Testament. This is the message... Remember many times of King David. You remember when he hits some really hard times and he goes like, where God are you? I don't know where you are. I mean, he had death of kids. He had, he had, he had his daughter raped. He had his kingdom, his own son overthrew him. And, and treason. He went through such hard stuff, man. And God, God, in one of those psalms that he cries out and he's struggling is Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This is how he felt. But listen, this is how you feel at times. 
You know how that feels. It's not a good place. But here's the difference. David knew God and he knew his word. And he knew that even in the hardest of moments, God was near and working and active and caring for him and his heart. So that's why in verse 5 of chapter 13, he could go on in that very same psalm, right after saying, God, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? He says this, but I have trusted in your chesed love, your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. This is grace. This is a man who has simple faith. He's not strong in this moment. He's weak. But he knows that a strong, almighty, sovereign God is holding on to him. You see, our God is still a gracious God. And then we see that as we go on in verse 28, that we, as you look back in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, you can see that he actually quotes that verse directly. And chapter 1, verse 10 is pretty much an outline of most of the book of Jeremiah. Now let me show you. 1.10 talks about the same thing as in verse 28, plucking up and breaking down, which is pretty much the first 28 chapters of Jeremiah. And then you get to chapter 29 through 31, and you get some messages of hope. And that's where you see his building up and planting. And here, Jeremiah is referring to this, and he's saying, both are true. I'm watching over you, as we've said already, at all times, and so you can have hope. And so he ends this, this rather interesting passage. And remember, next week we're going to look at the new covenant, and it gets really, really good. Verses 29 through 30, though, is, is, is are pretty hard verses. He said, we see that while the people of God were in Babylon, in exile, some were saying, God, you're not fair. Have you ever felt that way about God? This is not just. This is what the people of God were saying about God. Because they were saying, you're blaming us for all of our fathers and family sins. And that's why we're having this national disaster. And no, God says, no, listen, in summary, I want to say this. This is what 29 and 30 are all about. You're responsible for your own sin. Listen, we know from Scripture, you know, later on in the New Testament, for all of sin to fall short of the glory of God, we all, we, we know this. We all disturb damnation or struggles or persecution. The fact that we get grace is amazing. And it should stagger us and fill us with wonder and joy and desire to serve Him and to love others as we are changed by His grace in our hearts. But maybe you felt, you know, like you had to perform for God because you got sick or, or something bad happened in your life and you thought, well, that was because I must have sinned and God was treating me that way. Well, God doesn't operate that way. <laughs> he says this in Ezekiel 
chapter 18, look at it, it's in the Old Testament. He says that in John 9, when Jesus says, you know, you religious people said that blind man from birth, he was, you were saying it was because of his sin. But as Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It was not the, his sin, nor the sin of his family or his past. It was so that he would give glory to me and trust my will. You see, we really don't ultimately understand pain and suffering, but we know in the midst of it. Here's what we know, the promises. God is still a gracious God. And you can bank on that. It's true not just for Israel. It's true in the history of Christianity. You know... um, a brief glance back at history, because I'm a little bit of a history buff, is the Puritans, who were the, mostly those really old guys in the 15 and 1600s. You remember that they went through all sorts of religious persecution. Who persecuted them? Do you remember? The religious. The religious leaders in England and Europe hated the Puritans because Why? they were bringing mostly a prophetic word because they were teaching the word of God, which, by the way, America maybe has a few lessons to learn too, right? But listen, the, here, they were persecuted. Many were suffering. They were imprisoned. And so they came to America seeking freedom and seeking to find a place where they could be free to worship God, which means read his word, pray, Be with his people in worship and gather together. And this is such a great gift. You don't know what a great gift this is that we have today that we can be here. We should cherish it. Not just say, oh man, I did a good work because I went to church on Sunday. No, we should say, thank you, God. What a gift that we get to be here. You know, starting with me, we all need more gratitude But that's another sermon. (laughs) But here, the Puritans themselves in their deep pain and affliction, uh, Arthur Bennett writes in the Valley of Vision this, the strength of the Puritan character in life lay in the practice of prayer and meditation. Is that our strength? Is that your strength? That seems pretty foreign. And here's one of the Puritan prayers of a person who was in a deep valley or pain, but yet knew the hope of Jesus. Listen to this great prayer. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by the mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way up, way down is the way up, that, the, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. Notice this. That to bear the cross 
is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. That the valley, the valley is the place of vision. Man, wow, that gives me hope. How about you? He goes on to say, let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. In the midst of the deepest, darkest pits of life, there, if we open our eyes of faith, and look to God's grace, there you will find hope. And you will know this, no matter what you face, no matter what you face in your life, church, can I say it one more time? No matter what you face in your church, your life, you will find that God is still a gracious God. His word is true. Our God is faithful. He remains the same. His grace has always been the same and continues to be poured out in power to all those who believe in him. You know, recently I was thinking about how do you apply all this and think about, you know, what's, okay, what do I do with this? A lot of, lot of good, good content. But how do I... How do I actually believe more that my God is still a gracious God? Well, you need his word. You, there's, no, there's no magical formula here. <laughs> we need to get into his word. Just recently, I've been reading through, uh, I've been in the book of Ezekiel. Do you guys know how hard Ezekiel is? It starts out with this, like this, Chapter 1, he has this vision. He's 30 years old. Ezekiel is this prophet. He's in Babylon, just like Jeremiah. And he has this vision of this crazy, wild-looking chariot. And it's got these four faces on the corner. And it's like fiery. And it's like all these things are going off. And you're like, what's that all about? And you know, uh, and it goes on and on. And there's all these amazing kind of strange prophetic kind of, you know, visions in, in Ezekiel. And I, in my past, I'll be honest with you, even as a pastor, I've gone to certain chapters and I've sort of zip, zip, skim read, skim right over. I like to get to Ezekiel where he talks about, and I've given you, <laughs> you know, you've had a heart of stone and now I give you a heart of flesh. I love that part. But all this crazy part is like, wow. But recently, this last week, I was so enjoying the craziness. The Holy Spirit was giving me the application to know how that even applied to my marriage. Can you believe that? And to some of my relationships. From Ezekiel's prophets. They're hard passages. In time, God by himself continues to reveal himself more and more and more. What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying is, read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Stay in it. Maybe, maybe don't start in Ezekiel. A gospel would be a good place for you to begin. But look, stay in it. Don't give up. 
ask him for grace to even read his word and meditate on him. Why do I bring this up? Because last week I had a brother who in our church, he told me, John, I'm in a kind of a spiritual slump. Now this was a guy incredibly faithful, godly, godly man. I have high respect, regard for him. He told me, look, I'm, I've been praying, but look, for over a year or so, I haven't really been reading the word, the Bible. And I said, well, you don't have to tell me I'm not your priest, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for being so honest. And so we talked some more, but then I ended up praying for him. And it just was a delight to pray for him. Because he was, he was being tender with me. He was revealing really important things about what was going on in his heart. And I got this amazing text from him later that week with a huge smiley face. Or at least maybe I put it on there. <laughs> he said, John, I'm reading God's word again this morning. And he gave me the passage and he just like, Woo, I want to tell you. That's beautiful. Listen, God's not here to beat you up because you're not reading enough or praying enough or you're not like one of these Puritans. He takes you where you are. He's so loving and patient and kind. The very heart of the Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament God. I love you with an everlasting love, he says in Jeremiah. That is the heart of God. Will you and I still see and simply respond in just simple, humble faith in our weaknesses and say today, God, you're still a gracious God. Please keep changing my heart. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the life we find in Jesus and him alone. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us today as you have. And you would please, 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 my prayer is, as I got to this text and I thought about this this. This passage, would you remind every person that hears this, I'm gracious toward you. Let us believe that, please, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.